Have you ever wondered uh, what will it be like to meet God? And there, there's a very real sense in which through Jesus, we have, again, being filled with his Holy Spirit, met God already. Like we can know God personally. But there's another sense in which Jesus says in, in the book of John, no one has seen the Father. God himself says, you can't live and see my face. Uh, he is holy. He is beyond us. But there's also the assurance in Revelation that, well, we will stand before God. Um, and what will that be like? I think it's kind of interesting. And in that text we read for a call to worship in Exodus, God has led the Israelites in a miraculous spectacular show of salvation from Egypt, the oppressors, and he called them to Mount Sinai, um, this, this big mountain where God would give them the law. And God calls them up to meet him. Israel meets God. And it's amazing. What, what happens? Israel trembles. They're floored beneath the weight of God's glory. There's smoke, there's fire, the mountain itself is trembling, and the people can't, they can't go up. There's this barrier, there's this bridge that they can't cross because God is so good, and they're not. Turn to Hebrews 4.14. Today we're going to see that we need a priest, uh, uh, someone who can mediate and, and make this relationship happen between a holy God and a sinful people. And for the Israelites, for a time, it was Aaron. God called Moses to bring his brother Aaron up the mountain with him. And from Aaron's descendants, God would create generations of priests to be these little mediators. But in the end, they weren't enough. They couldn't bridge the gap between a holy God, and a sinful people on their own. They needed something better. And so do we. Um, so we're going we're gonna to read this text and kind of unfold it bit by bit. So if you're able, please stand, and we're going to read chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 together, okay? Here it is. God's Word says, Since then, we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find help, or sorry, find grace to help in time of need. All right. You may have a seat. And, and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I think we need, to, <laughs> we need to see your holiness so we can see your sympathy. So please root both of those things so deeply in our souls that we can't waver from faith. And do that in every heart. And let it transform uh, a generation of people in Iowa Falls and in your world through your gospel. Lord, you have that kind of power. Do it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, hey, let's look at this text, right? 
So, verse 14, uh, the author or the, the preacher in Hebrews calls Jesus not just a, a great high priest like Aaron was, he calls him the great high priest. And I think Jesus is great. He's set apart from the other priests, uh, well, for, for two reasons in these first few verses. First, we can just look where Jesus dwells. Uh, verse 14 says, he has passed through the heavens. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is ministering in heaven. Uh, most earthly high priests would minister in the temple in Israel in this little location, and the high priest would go into, on a, on a very special day, he would go into a very secret place where just he could go after making the right sacrifices, and he would go into the secret place of God's presence. That was called the Holy of Holies. And Jesus doesn't, he doesn't just go there, not to the room where God's presence is. He goes straight to God's home, to heaven. Okay, so there's a, there's a contrast right away. Jesus is ministering in a better place than the earthly priests. The temple on earth was a copy. It was never designed to be the real thing. It was good in, in a sense, but it was a knockoff. And Jesus doesn't settle for that. He goes straight to God's home. So we see Jesus ministering in a better place. I think that's part of why he's a great high priest. And then we see who he is. Uh, later on uh, in verse 14, there's this little tag. He says, Jesus. So, Jesus has passed through the heavens, comma, Jesus, comma, the Son of God. So, there's a, an identity statement made right there. And, and so far, we've watched in Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is the agent of creation. Chapter 2, he's better than the angels. Chapter 3 and on, he, he's better than Moses. And in 4, he's going up against Aaron. Uh, and you can guess who's going to win here. There's a pattern. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Aaron. And because of this, let's see here. There's a call in the end of verse 14 to hold fast. And, and I think this is a good, a good application point. Simply just hold fast to our confession. Uh, that confession by faith that Jesus is God's son, the chosen one, the anointed one. And why should we hold fast? Well, verse 15, because we have a high priest. Sorry, let's read it like they say it. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. And I think that's kind of an interesting way to say it. The preacher seems to use a double negative, a not unable, to show how unexpected Christ's sympathy is. You get that? He is able, but he shouldn't be, in a sense, right? Like, Jesus is so holy, he's so exalted, he's so pure, that how could he sympathize with us? But he does, okay? How could he understand our, our smallness, our, our, our day-to-day? He does, friends. And we're going to keep digging, and we're going to keep seeing that. There's a, there's a strategy. Satan wants to isolate us, right? The, the enemy is the separator. He lies, and he wants to kill, steal, destroy. He wants to separate us from God's presence. And what does Jesus do? He sympathizes. He, he draws us in. He sees us. He knows us. And he sees how we are 
struggling, simply. He can sympathize with our weakness. He, he knows the heartache and the longing and the, the loneliness that we face. Like the, He's not a stranger to these things. So the, the preacher says, hold fast and then draw near to the throne. And this is coming in verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So, fascinating. Like us, Jesus was tempted. He endured suffering from the world, but unlike us, Jesus didn't sin, right? There's an emphasis on his purity here. That's at the end of verse 15. Yet without sin, so let us draw near to the throne with confidence. So whereas our sin drives us towards isolation and towards retreating from community, Jesus' sympathy calls us out. He knows us and he rescues us into a community of people. And it's beautiful. Friends, I, I think... I think there is a, uh, maybe a, a thread through our culture which does rightly get this idea that God is ab- above us or better than us. But, but what it can wrongly produce is this feeling that God is unapproachable. Does that make sense? So God is beyond us and better than us, but we cannot think that he's unapproachable. Here's, here's a I stumbled across this this morning. This is by a guy named Thomas Goodwin in a book some of you read called Gentle and Lowly. And, and he talks about this premise of, like, what does our weakness and struggle and sin, how, what does that evoke from God's heart? Hear what Thomas Goodwin says. Christ takes part with you and is so far from being provoked against you as all his anger is turned upon your sin to ruin it. Yes, his pity is increased the more towards you. Even as the heart of a father is to a child that has some loathsome disease, or as one is to a member of his body that has leprosy. He hates not the member, for it is flesh, but the disease. And that provokes him to pity the part affected the more. Sin is a disease, right? And when a sinner comes to God, God hates the disease and loves and welcomes that person in. See the sympathy of Christ, friends. So if you can't, if you feel like you can't approach God, uh, let this text write that scale. Let write the ship and draw near to him. And how do we draw near? Well, I think prayer is the way. Um, prayer is the way we go to the throne We find that grace to help in time of need. If we want grace to help in time of need, we pray, right? We got to (laughs) leave. I I love the, I mean, it's football season. We got to leave it all on the field. We got to not leave any prayer unprayed. This is the time. If we need grace, we pray. So if you're struggling, if you're suffering, friend, find comfort in praying. Draw near to the throne, to a Savior who welcomes us, and who isn't repelled by our weakness and suffering, but who calls us towards him. This is our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. And in some ways, he's like Aaron. Uh, this is the next section we go to. Chapter 5, go to that. 
We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read them here. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does sins of his people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So Jesus is similar to Aaron uh, in some ways, and he's different in others. Let's see how he's similar. Uh, There's, in this section, uh, the author sets it up as priests of Aaron's order. We're going to look at this first. Priests of Aaron's order these are people from the tribe of Levi. And I, I put together a little list. We're going to throw them up on the screen for you to check out. This is how he describes the priests of Aaron's order. First, being that they are chosen or called or appointed by God. Every high priest chosen from among men is appointed. They're chosen. They're, they're a called people to this position. Okay? So that's one thing. Another is that they act on behalf of men in relation to God. Next, they offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. This is their, their, their job day to day. They offer gifts, sacrifices for sins, and likewise they can deal gently with sinners because they are sinners. Because of this, they must offer sacrifice for their own sins. Okay, so they must offer sacrifices for their own sins. You see this picture, and we're going we're gonna to watch as the next section contrasts this picture, and we're going to compare, and we're going to put them in the ring, and we're going to see who comes out on top, Jesus or Aaron. You can probably guess right who wins. But let's apply this first. And I think it's kind of abstract, so let's... Let's kind of make it, uh, we'll take it in rings and work inward. We don't have priests today. (laughs) But you might know a person who is like Jesus. Someone who loves like him, someone who loves him, who talks about him and talks to him. Someone who's been transformed by God's grace. And you're just like, this person, I know someone who looks like Jesus. I hope you know someone like that. They, They look like Jesus. I think from this text, we see that we should not elevate this, this person, this shadow, or a, a little Jesus, a, a copy of Jesus. We don't elevate the shadow over the sun, okay? Keep the shadow on the ground where it belongs, and look at the sun raining 93 million miles higher, okay? Let's make this more concrete a pastor or a mentor or a friend or some, some popular like high-profile Christian who can, might, might teach really well or they might be able to sympathize with you. They might have an impact on your life, but they're not a substitute for Jesus, okay? The servant is not greater than the master. Um, week by week, <laughs> uh, Jeremy and I have on our minds 
the reality that we want your faith not to be grounded in us, but in Jesus. Like we, as your pastors, we love you, we care for you, we pray for you, but we are not a substitute for Jesus. We fail at loving you. We will continue to fail at loving you, but Jesus doesn't. He loves you and his love doesn't fail. So there's a call to not place your hope or to not place those pastors or friends or teachers or mentors above Jesus. Don't look for satisfaction in them, but in Jesus, right? If Iowa Falls E-Free Church passed away tomorrow because their pastors died or left or whatever, we're not grounded on Jesus. We gotta be grounded on Jesus, right? Like this can't, it's not built on us. Not on Nick, not on Jeremy, but on Jesus, we see this here. The Hebrew audience had a, they had an opportunity to put their faith back in the line of Aaron. And the author says, no, don't do that. Don't settle for less. Jesus is what you need. Let's move forward into the final section here. Uh, I skipped ahead of myself a little bit. <laughs> I did want to add just a couple more like practical ways we don't elevate those shadows over the sun. Um, because I think w- that's just, how, like, how do we interact with those people we love who are like Jesus? I think we see the similarities and we thank God for them. Where people are similar to Jesus, we thank God for the work that he's done in that person. And then where there are differences, and when we see those differences, we pray for them. Uh, Like, pray for those people you love who are like Jesus, but not yet all the way like Jesus, right? Because we are, as a body, as a Christian community, being transformed from one degree of glory to the next, and we're not there yet. But by God's grace, he, he will bring us there, and we trust that. So see the similarities, thank God, see the differences and pray for those people. All right, now we can go on. Let's look at chapter 5, 5 to 10 here. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. All right, so this is the last piece here. Jesus is our high priest like Aaron, but better. Our high priest who's like Aaron, but better. And he's better because he's part of a different order of priests. We saw the order of Aaron, and now we're going to see the order of Melchizedek. That's an interesting name. Uh, Melchizedek was a person, but the author here talks about Melchizedek really more as an archetype or a symbol or a picture of uh, this priestly order that Jesus is part of. Um, 
really the, the preacher goes into more on who Melchizedek is or how he functions in like salvific history uh, in chapter 7. And I'm not preaching that. So I'll let Jeremy do that when it comes. And we're going to keep, keep this here focused on the text, all right? So we do want to know what is Melchizedek's order like? And we see a couple things. First being, Jesus was appointed by God. Sounds familiar, right? Jesus was appointed by God, called, chosen by the one who said to him, you are my begotten son. And that's the, that's the second part. Jesus is God's begotten son. And I, I think that's kind of an odd, like, how, what, what do we make of that word begotten? Um, the, the preacher is not talking about the incarnation or Jesus' birth in this text, so we shouldn't assume that Jesus was created. However, we, we want to read that phrase, begotten, uh, coming later on in verse 5, in context of the rest of the verse, in the discussion on priests. So he says, uh, we'll start at the beginning of that quote, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, maybe it's still confusing. We might think that because Jesus' father was all-powerful, that he just had a, a, an in or an inheritance to this title of high priest. And the text says, actually, no. Actually, no. As glorious as he was, Christ did not exalt himself, but he was found worthy of this job through obedience, through suffering. That makes sense? So Jesus met the qualifications for this job by obeying the Father through suffering. We'll, uh, we'll come back to this because the author does, but first, let's go to the next, the, the third point of this section. Also in verse 6, Jesus is a priest forever. So he was appointed by God, he's God's begotten son, and he is a priest forever. Most priests were born, uh, appointed to this role of priest, and then they died, and their death would relieve them of duty. For Jesus, his position stays. And if anything, death was an inauguration to this position, not a relief, okay? It's not a finishing of term. He is a priest forever. And let's look at the next point in verse 7. Jesus offered up prayers and supplication. Like the other priests would offer gifts and sacrifices, Jesus was the sacrifice. And here, probably referring to Gethsemane, Jesus offered prayer, supplication. He cried out to God in the garden to be delivered from God's wrath. It was, it was dreadful, and he knew that, and he was afraid. He was incredibly stressed to the point of shedding blood, he prayed to God that the cup of God's wrath would pass, and God said, no. <laughs> and Jesus submitted to that. Which is why we see the next verse goes on to say, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. When God said no, Jesus still obeyed, submitted. And in so doing, verse 9 he became the source of salvation, okay? <laughs> this is quite a pace, ain't it? 
That's like drinking from a fire hose. The emphasis here is that Jesus became the source of salvation. What does scripture mean when it says being made perfect? I think that's valid to ask. It comes up in verse 9. I didn't want to skip it here. I think we can see easily that it's not talking about moral imperfections. Like uh, (laughs) earlier on in chapter 4, verse 15, it just talked about Jesus being tempted as we are, but without sin. So we know that Jesus didn't sin in that active, uh, active sense, being made perfect, must, uh, must talk about Jesus' lifelong obedience then. It's an act of continuing uh, perfection, obedience, that provides a foundation for our salvation. Okay. <laughs> Again, we, we, we drank a lot here. Um, let's, I, I think we can imply it in different ways. My heart was drawn to, to address this, I guess. What, what does, when, when God says no to a prayer, what do we do? We talked earlier about drawing near to the throne of, to, to find grace to help. But what do we do when God says no? Or, well, or we hear nothing. What, like, what do we do? I think we die with Jesus, and then we rise with Jesus, okay? What does that mean? Well, we die with Jesus by obeying, by submitting to the Father's will to the point of death like he died on the cross. As we follow him and obedience is costly, (laughs) there is a death that comes spiritually and there's also a life which comes spiritually. That's the key here. We don't live as those without hope. We die with Jesus in obedience and we rise with him in life, okay? So when God says no, we have hope and we keep going closer, drawing near to the throne. And we draw near to the throne because we've got a priest who made the way. Let's, uh, let's compare the priest orders uh, again. Then we'll wrap things up here. Both. Let's look at both. Order of Aaron, order of Melchizedek. Both appointed by God. Both make offerings. Both can sympathize with sinners. Now let's look at the difference. Those of Aaron's order are sinners. And because they are sinners, they have to make sacrifice for themselves. But if we look at Jesus, only Jesus is God's son. Only Jesus is a priest forever. Only Jesus perfectly submitted to God. And only Jesus is the source of salvation. It's a glorious difference, isn't it? It's so good. It's so good. And I think Aaron was, in ways, good. Not, not totally good. But the priest did some good things. The point is that Jesus is better. <laughs> Jesus is the better high priest. All right. I think the main, uh, the core of this text is that we ought to hold fast to our faith in Jesus. 
Jesus, our great high priest, and do that by the grace of Jesus. <laughs> Remember the call to hold fast in the first place is paired with the drawing near the throne of grace. And guys, who is at the throne? It's Jesus. So draw near, Jesus is there. As we draw near through prayer, Jesus is there interceding for us. So we go boldly. What do we do when we meet God? We go boldly. Not because of us. Because we're with Israel, flattened on the ground, beneath a cloud of smoke and a mountain which is shaking. But with Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Jesus passed through the heavens by who he is. He's God's son. And by what he did, this perfect obedience, we don't have either of those, but we have him. And that's enough. By God's grace, in Jesus, by holding fast, we too will, through death, pass through the heavens and be with Jesus forever. Praise God for that, right? No pastor or priest or pope can save, but Jesus does. And that's what we need. Uh, So hold fast, Christian. Die to self. Rise with Christ. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, (laughs) we want prayer to permeate our souls. We want to boldly go to your throne room every day by praying, by talking to you. Lord, you draw us out from our sin. You call us to... (laughs) To be priests like you. you. You've made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Lord, who are we that you should do that? Jesus, you are our great high priest. And we praise you for, for this. That no, Just knowing that we don't have the strength to hold fast, but you will hold us fast to the end by your grace. So help us, God, and, and give us courage. When you say, uh, when, when we pray and We hear silence. Let us die to self and rise with life to you. And let us know your grace through this. Um, It's in Jesus' name we pray. (laughs) Boldly before you, God. Amen. All right. If you're able, please stand and I'll... uh,